Welcome, everyone, to another episode of your favorite Knicks podcast, the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. You can find me on Twitter at Corbo Anthony. And every week joining me on this show, I have my friends Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everybody? It's at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. And we've also got joining us Brian Giberman. I just went and got my uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant jerseys made today. Oh, he's ready. Getting ahead of the game. Did you pick up your $20 Porzingis jersey at Models while you're at it? No, no, we're keeping, we're looking forward, not backwards. I guess you're in Phoenix anyway. There's no Models out there. Um, anyway, head to, you know, head to Twitter, follow the Knicks wall, follow TKW podcast, follow all of us, then make your way over to YouTube where you can subscribe to uh, the Knicks wall. And check out our channel. It has plenty of great content on it. Uh, and then, you know, once you finally run through all of that, you can just head to the nixwall.com. We got a whole nother well of interesting topics for you to dive into there. Uh, but for now, just sit back, enjoy the, uh, you know, the audio that will be running through your ears as we bring you the fallout after the Chris Stops Porzingis trade. We have a couple of differing accounts. We have what's coming out of the Maverick side. And we have what's coming out of the Knicks side right now. And it's not exactly, I, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it, it, it's completely different stories, but I wouldn't say it's lining up either. So why don't we start with what Steve Mills was saying at uh, Sunday afternoon's game. The seventh was really important because if we let this go beyond the seventh, the, le- the leverage completely shifted. We would not have control of the situation. We weren't sure what Kristaps was going to come in and tell us. We didn't know whether he was going to tell us that he wanted to be traded or he may have come in and said he wanted to do a one-year contract with a player option, which would have then made him untradeable, and he would have had all the, all the leverage. So we just felt that we needed to have some certainty by the 7th, and when they came in to meet with us, they made it clear to us. It was a meeting that they requested. They made it clear to us that he did not want to play for the Knicks, that he was not going to re-sign with us as a free agent, and we, in, in one way, thanked them for the clarity because it gave us the information we needed to know. And because of the conversations that Scott had been having and that I had been having with other teams, we knew exactly where we were, but we wanted to try to move. So some pretty strong statements from, uh, from Mills there, especially the one where he just flat out said that Chris upset he would not resign with them in free agency. Uh, Brian, let's start with you today. What, what do you make of what Steve Mills had to say about you know their decision to move Chris Stops? I think while what they're saying is it's not like the end of the world or anything, but the just I don't understand why they're trying to spin everything. My read on all of what's transpiring is basically. I don't think the Knicks wanted to keep Chris Stops. I think their preference was to have two max spaces. And no matter what Chris Stops said in that meeting and whether he wanted to be traded, my guess is the Knicks wanted to move on from him no matter what. 
And now they're trying to run a PR campaign to make it look like Kristaps is the bad guy and he wants out, which to an extent I bet he, Kristaps and his group are not easy people to deal with. And they also wanted, they also did want to leave. So not everything they're saying is a lie, but there's just, there's no reason to do it. If you live, I, I really respect Rebecca Harlow. I think she's the best part of the Knicks broadcast. If you listen to her interview with the assistant coach at halftime, she asks great questions. She gets good answers. Post game, she always asks smart, intellectual, good questions that are, that really she, she hits on good points all the time. That interview with Steve Mill was canned and planned out. She was asking leading. She, she wasn't asking questions. She was making leading statements to set Steve Mills up to respond to what to respond in a way and to have what the Knicks wanted out there public because they knew that interview would end up getting put out everywhere. And there, all that needed to be said was and for this situation and how it needed to be framed was Kristaps, we it, it was just best for both parties if we moved on from Kristaps, and that's what we decided to do. There doesn't need to be this whole spin campaign. Just set it basically out, just set it out there like that. We thought it was in the best interest of both parties to go our separate ways and be done with it. Yeah, I don't really understand the whole spin thing either, especially when you're trying to sell fans on uh, this is a new culture, it's a new era, we're doing things different here. And um, I know fans aren't going to like to hear, but part of that is how you conduct yourselves from a PR standpoint and how they, everybody's going to always try to spin things or manipulate the media just a little bit. But there's a difference between just keeping it short and sweet. Like, if there's nothing to hide, the Knicks should be acting as though there's nothing to hide. That's how anyone should really operate. If you operate in a suspicious kind of a manner, like the Knicks were, uh, kind of rushing to get the leaks out that KP was the one declaring that. Remember, that's how the news came out. Was they they had the meeting. He did, you know he wanted out. Here's the teams that are interested. Boom, he's in Dallas. All that happened in like an hour or so. So it, it seemed perfectly lined up. Like they had it ready to go for the breaking point. And then after that, they were just like okay. And then the spin jab started. Like if you guys like you said, if they had a falling out, just say so. Just like look. It's amicable. He didn't want to be here. It's really not a big deal. Um, they don't like the little things like on MSG Networks when they, they put on uh, they put on the graphic like you know like his career his his career average and and what he did last year uh, scoring wise and then they put uh, skipped exit meeting in twenty sixteen uh, missed a hundred whatever games out of a uh, possible you know whatever it was he he's missed a bunch of games and. It's just that's not stuff you usually see. So to us, it seems kind of obvious. Uh, and there's just, again, there's no reason for it. If you're not hiding anything, don't act like it. Yeah, I, I thought that it was just very interesting how uh, adamant Steve Mills was about the the idea of leverage, that they couldn't let this uh, deadline go without, you know, because they would lose all the leverage in the situation, uh, which makes sense and everything. I think that's what everyone's been saying online, but. It, it it just seemed like yeah, and I, I I agree with, uh, with everything you guys were saying about you know what Rebecca Harlow has contributed to the team so far. But you kind of could see in like what she's also said on social media in the days since the trade, and like she's been very defensive on there, and just like you know like you said the leading questions and stuff. It's the Knicks are certainly have 
an organizational <laughs> way that they want the story to be presented. And, you know, it, it's kind of more a narrative of that Kristaps didn't want to be here. You know, Steve Mills flatly saying that he did not want to be a Nick uh, and that he flatly would not resign with them in free agency. You know, even though that's, you know, whether he would take the, the qualifying offer, whether or not, you know, whatever would work out there. He made it seem like this was a decision that they had been, you know, pondering on for a, quite a while that, you know, the, you know, February 7th here was going to be the breaking point in the Knicks and Porzingis' relationship one way or another. And, uh, you know, it just, for it to be sprung on all of us, you know, you know, whether it be fans, whether it be media members, whether it be, you know, people who cover the team very closely, it, it's just like, it, it was all so sudden that it makes this whole thing, not, I don't want to say cover up, but they just definitely want it to be presented a certain way. Yeah, it's just the, the and the thing too is for those who were saying you know oh that it's just what happened or they're not spending it. Please just go look how literally anybody who's hired by MSG like talked about the story. They all say the same thing. They're really short and sweet about it. He just did not want to be here. That and then if you look at it, you know I I do the the Knicks Wall account on Twitter and all of my mentions are just he did not want to be here. The Knicks won the trade. He did not want to be here. And they just when you get what you want out there quick. And again we'll find out how true it is. But when you get what you want out there quick, you know, and it seems like it's not lining up with what KP was saying, then then I don't know. Um, I, I just know that the actual details to this. Um, as we're, you know, trying to take sides right now, I think the actual details are going to be pretty fascinating when they finally come out in a month or so. Well, we do have uh, a couple of other ways that we could look at this. And one of the other ways that people are kind of seeing it right now is from the eyes of the Dallas Mavericks. And we finally got a first chance to get a look at uh, KP and the other players down, uh, the Ma- down there. The Mavericks did their initial press conference with the new players today. Uh, they had some footage of all of them in a practice session from either earlier that day or, you know, potentially the day before. Uh, you know, all the players unveiled their new jerseys, everything like that. But there was definitely some interesting comments that came out of the, uh, the press conference itself between Mark Cuban, Rick Carlisle, all the media members, and Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Courtney Lee, and Kristaps Porzingis, of course. The first of which, and includes a guy who has become an interesting player, you know, all along, but especially in the last few weeks in Giannis Porzingis, who is uh, KP's brother and representative, his agent. Um, you know, it, 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 he's a guy that seems to be pushing against management one way or another. There's been some things that have come out about him really wanting to get a higher role within the organization uh, but it seems like Dallas is willing to accept him and let him be part of the show. Let's listen to what Rick Carlisle was saying about him. One other thing I want to mention, um, uh, Chris Staff's brother, uh, Giannis, is here who represents him. And I just want to recognize him because he and I spent a couple hours talking last night just to get to know each other. And um, he's a, a very important part of, of Chris Staff's team, along with Dan, who does PR with him. Um, Baldi, his... Uh, his um, what do you call him? Therapist? Yeah, yeah therapist yeah. who's uh, going to be involved, and uh, you know, we just uh, we want to make sure that we recognize these guys as being part of his team and and in a way our team too. Now, Kyle, let's start with you. 
Giannis has kind of been a behind-the-scenes player for KP the last couple of years. He had some run-ins with previous management and Phil Jackson and everything like that. How big of an impact do you think he has on Portingas right now, and how, how big of a catalyst do you think he's been to this whole trade going down? I mean, probably a gigantic catalyst because if the, if you do believe what the Knicks are saying, that Chris Stapps was certainly going to turn out as qualifying offer, which I have thoughts on that from his press conference today. But um, if you do believe that, then that means Giannis as his agent was the one um, pushing for it. And I think if you look, you listen closely, I noticed that yesterday during uh, Mills interview on, on uh, with Rebecca Harlow, he said when they asked about the meeting on, on that Thursday, uh, his exact words were, they told me or they said he didn't want to be here. They said, and like, to me, that got me like it was they like, who's the they it's Giannis. It's his camp, you know? So it, it seemed like they were doing a lot of talking on his behalf. Um, they seemed to strong arm the situation. And, uh, you know, I, I've been a pretty crit- uh, critical on Twitter that I'll, I'll believe the Knicks didn't fuck this up a little bit when I see it. But the more I see, yeah, like just, it's very strange the way he operates and like that, the, the coddling that Carlisle did is very, that's almost like an elementary level of acknowledgement that he's trying to give Giannis. Like, like he's given them like a very public pat on the head. It's just very, the whole Lord, that was very like cringe worthy to see in my opinion. So I don't know. I'm going to assume he had a big part in what happened here. We don't know all the details, but his name always surfaces with these things. So Timmy's face when he heard Carlisle say Janice was the best. He turned and he was like, what just happened? If you go watch the video that's on Twitter, you can see him turn and look at Carlisle. Yep. And then, so for our Jets fans here also, I think there you can point out a lot of similarities in what happened with the Jets and Darrell Revis and the Knicks and Kristaps Porzingis. Rebus and his agent, who it was his ma- not his official agent, but his managers, dude Geiger Geiger, were pains in the ass to deal with. He held out after Rebus held out after his third year, held out his rookie year, and was always just trying to extract. And that's his right, especially in football, even more than basketball, to extract every single dollar that he could out of him. And before his rookie contract was over. When the Jets, I think, had another year, because I'm pretty sure they traded him after his fourth or fifth year when he was coming off the injury. They could have franchised him, and they had control of the situation. And instead of doing that, they traded him to the Bucks for a first-round pick. And it worked out. They get The Jets got Sheldon Richardson out of it. It's a very similar situation with the Knicks, that Porzingis— He's a pain in the ass to deal with, but he's also a great player. So in those situations, sometimes you do it. But the Knicks decided they didn't want to deal with all the drama and the trouble that comes with dealing with Janice and Kristaps. And they were done with it, and they moved on. Kind of another, uh, you mentioned earlier Tim Hardaway Jr.'s face when uh, they mentioned Janice, but there was another moment that Tim Hardaway Jr.'s face really caught me uh, was the second time Mark Berman had questions down in the uh, in the uh, press conference. Uh, 
Berman very clearly wanted to call KP out on, uh, on, on you know, him, him not uh, on, on his plan for coming back from injury and how, you know, it always has been the plan all along for him to, uh, you know, not play this year, which is what he mentioned at the conference. Apparently, that's what he was saying to New York, too, but that's not what came across, apparently. And uh, it was just very funny to me how Tim Hardaway Jr. looked at Berman's veiled attempt to kind of get another question in there by mentioning Tim in the question as well. He just looked very off-put. They just both seemed very happy not to have to deal with him on a daily basis anymore. But uh, why don't we listen to what our old friend Mark had to say uh, about uh, or what he had to ask KP and what his response was to coming back from injury. You were going to be reevaluated in mid-February, but you said the plan was you would probably not play the season, so the, re- the evaluation was just to see what where your leg was. I mean, there was no plan to possibly go back to practice. We'll see. We'll evaluate in, in mid-February. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're working all that together. We're putting all that together right now. So what, whatever the plan was in the previous organization, really isn't relevant at this point in time. You know, we have our doctors. We're working with with his team, and right now the plan, the 100% plan, is for him not to play. And so there, there's not, you know, what what was in place prior really isn't relevant at this point in time. So Mark Cuban comes out and says the 100% plan is for him not to play. Uh, Kyle. Do you think that this has always been the, like the plan for was this the plan for the Knicks as well? Has this been KP's plan all along or is this is this something that's new? Is this something that the Mavs are putting on him? What, what do you make of this whole thing? I actually kind of took issue with how open and shut that was today with that just being the plan. And, you know, that 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 was what it was. And um, even with the the contract um, comment he made, which we'll get to. It just seemed like all the uncertainties uh, from when he was with the Knicks are, were all of a sudden so certain in, in two two questions. And that rubs me the wrong way a little bit because um, as much as uh, I, I have been a, a pretty big critic of the trade and I've warmed on it a bit, but uh, in light of some just flaming hot rumors that we've been reading of late, but... Um, as a whole, I've, I've still been pretty critical, but I think it's a big gamble and um, kind of like when we were at media day, like I was there that day, I was present and the, the beat writers were, you know, Begley and Berman and some of these other guys that they were asking him, they were kind of peppering him with these questions because he hadn't talked to the media in, in a while. All summer he was overseas. So they were asking him, you know, what, what what's the timeline for the injury? And, and he was very vague. He didn't know. He didn't want to put a timeline on it. No big deal, which wasn't that big of an issue because a lot of teams do that now with big injuries. You don't want to uh, overpromise and underdeliver. So I, I understand that. But then even for the contract stuff, they'd be like, well, anything on the contract? Then again, still nothing. He just really was just, and then you could see he was kind of getting annoyed about it. And then they'd be like, well, how's the knee feeling at least? He's like, eh, everything's going good. Like, we'll, we'll evaluate with the doctors and whatever. You know, just everything was really short, and he didn't want to deal with it. And then um, today they ask him about it, and it's just, well, nope, he's not playing the whole year. That's the plan, you know? It's like, oh, well, there was no plan at media day. Yeah, there is no plan at all. He didn't want to talk about it. And then the contract thing, too, they brought up. And, uh, you know, about him signing their long term. And then 
yep, well, you know, we want him here 20 years. And then KP kind of laughs like, oh, we're on the same page. You know, it's like, what are what, what are we doing? What what happened behind the scenes here that we don't know that you just wouldn't be made available to the media for five months? You didn't want to talk to anybody. Uh, how did we get here? You know, it, it's just very strange how sure everything was today at that press conference. Dallas hasn't been a good organization in a minute. They've made a decent amount of mistakes. But, I mean, it is pretty fair of an individual player to trust the Mavs more than the Knicks. Especially, look, I'm not, I don't know much about the Knicks training staff and whatnot. I know they're trying some new age stuff. You've read uh, Volkerov, I think, has written about that. And it's, it's become kind of publicly knowledge that they're doing some advancements in sports science and stuff like that. So that's been good stuff. Fizdale seems like he's at the forefront of that. But the Mavs medical staff does have a really great reputation and just someone being more trustworthy about what the Mavs tell them and what Mark Cuban tells them rather than James Dolan and the Knicks organization is something that I can find understandable. I definitely had a moment of jealousy when I was watching that press conference before. For not sure. That, not that I don't... I, I, I still have a steady, like... Like, I still believe that Steve Mills and Scott Perry can write and, you know, can write this organization. And, you know, I think Fizdale's had a lot of faults so far, but, like, I'm not out on him yet. And, like, obviously James Dolan is going to be, you know, James Dolan. But, you know, you, you take a look at that Mavericks press conference day and just kind of that, you know, that table has been together for so many years and, you know, not always been the most cohesive of units, but, you know, they they've have had success and stuff. And you, you look at that and... Yeah, you, know, you have a moment of jealousy for a second, but you know, all in all, we gotta stick with the tank. We gotta stick with the ship here, and uh, you know, hopefully, keep on moving forward. Um, one of the other interesting things before before we move off of Chris Sops, because we have other things to talk about tonight. Uh, the other interesting thing to talk about here, because it, it affects the Knicks with the trade as well, was it's Chris Sops' contract situation. It's kind of gotten around now that Chris Sops is considering taking the qualifying offer. Some people even reporting that he's going to take the qualifying offer from Dallas this summer uh, and be an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Um, they asked him about that in the conference today, and it, it kind of got swept under the rug, but here's how it went down. Scruggs, NBC5 Dallas. Donnie, can you reflect on the past uh, seven months between getting Luka and then making this deal here? And Chris Dapps, do you plan on signing a contract with the Mavericks this summer, restricted or long-term? That's a question to me? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, um... <laughs> I can answer that for you. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> there you go. First steps, is that true? I can answer that one too. <laughs> Listen, we're on the same page. Don't don't even ask. We're on the same page. Long term or restricted, Mark? Oh, long term for sure. Our goal is to keep these two together for the next twenty years. It's a scary thought to have those two playing together for that period of time. I don't know if it's likely or not, but where do you think that Chris Sops is? Where where do you think he's standing right now in his contract situation? Do you, in the end, do you think that guaranteed money is going to be too much for him to pass up this summer? 
I thought it was pretty interesting that Cuban jumped in and answered for him instead of letting Kristaps answer in himself. That sounds like someone who didn't think Kristaps was going to flat out say yes and wanted to project confidence that it was going to happen, even though it might not be 100% agreed to. I do think in the end, Kristaps will see Luca and be like, okay, I'm going to stay and play with this guy. That's why the gamble for them um, was worth it. But I don't think it's as locked in right now as Cuban was trying to make it. I feel like Cuban was just trying to ditch, like avoid a whole Kyrie situation, though, right? Yes. By jumping in there. 100%. Yeah, it, it, it looked like it, too. I mean, KP was stammering, trying to kind of just buy time. You know, to to I, it looked like he was looking for someone to bail him out. So it looks like he got it. But um, even still, and then just the 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 bold proclamation that he wants to be there for twenty years and everything. And uh, it, it did seem like they were trying to to paint the picture of confidence. But just the the whole thing was very cringeworthy, and uh, I just it, it made me very uncomfortable. It's still very jarring. To see it, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We we spent years thinking like that was going to be the future, and then like to see him in the Dallas uniform today and just yucking it up with the uh, Luca. It's just very very frustrating. All right. Well, we're not bitter at all. No, uh, no not at all. No, no, no. I'm let's. Actually, uh, I'm actually not. I'm. I listen. I am. I am pleased with the you, return. You will be I, I on July bitter. second, I buddy. Am, I am bitter. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Depends what they do. Anthony, before we move on to the new players, I just want to bring up an Anthony Davis point here that I think ties into the July 1st that that Kyle just brought up. Yeah. Would you guys rather Anthony Davis get traded to the Lakers right now or him last past this trade deadline and be out there in the offseason? It's a, it's an interesting question that you bring up because I've been thinking about it a little bit since you since you kind of proposed it earlier. I. It's the question. It's kind of like goes back to the whole the whole thing that the Knicks are doing right now. It's like security, versus like the gamble itself. Like the gamble itself is just get him out of the Celtics' hands and just put him far away on the other coast. You know, far away from you. Uh, but you know, you know, obviously that the, the gamble is that you you might potentially have a chance for him down the line and it's just i i don't know i don't know exactly what i i think yet but my gut right now is telling me just let the lakers take him and then deal with that whole situation it's just keep him out of boston keep the most important thing is keeping him away from Kyrie, so Kyrie can come here yeah honestly the most listen the, the the celtics are unless they cash all their chips and figure to be a young rising team for the next X amount of years. Right. And the Knicks are, you know, while behind on that timeline figure to be a young team on the rise by all accounts is the way they're spending this right now, because there's no free agents in hand. So to, to me, I 
would rather him just go to L.A. and just not have to deal with the whole Celtics situation. I think it's a big enough stretch as it is for us to have to imagine this Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving <laughs> pairing. So I, I'm not going to sit here and just get carried carried away and think. Listen, it, listen, just just really quick. Listen, okay. I know, I know. When you read enough rumors and see enough little hints and things, you can you could talk yourself into it. But please, even if you're the most optimistic optimistic Knicks fan, you cannot possibly believe we're getting all three of those guys. Like at at most, I would understand if you believe the the Durant. Irving rumors. I would understand. I truly would. A lot of people are talking, even Zach Lowe and Nate Jones, like legitimate guys are going, Hey, this is a legitimate thing that's happening. Like pay attention to it. But the Anthony, I mean, that is, that is a stretch. Even if you consider we have more picks now and uh, we do sorely overvalue our own guys. Uh, That's everybody in the NBA. We all do that. But uh, you, yeah, there's no way. There's just no, just send him to LA and you're, let's just call it a day. You're basically banking on getting Kyrie, getting KD, winning the lottery, then the Pelicans wanting Zion and other pieces over anything else that's out there. I think they would take the Zion trade. So like that's the thing. If the KD and Kyrie thing is real. And at this point, I'm not saying it's 100% going to happen. I know I joked about it earlier in the show, like right when we started. But it's you have to acknowledge it's a possibility right now. And if that happens, I do think the Pelicans would take the Zion trade. Like it's a, it's a real thing that if that it's it's got to be like an eight to ten percent chance of happening just because of the odds of winning Zion in the lottery, and then you take the percentage that you're actually going to get Katie and Kyrie and that's dropping it low. So you're looking at something that's probably like a five to 10% chance of happening. Do you leave that little slight opening up and just hope for the best? And maybe this is just the time that everything actually finally breaks right for the Knicks. Well, well, that's not going to happen, but I, I think if you're the Knicks and you could put together an offer for now and our mentions are bloodbath of people yelling not to do this, but, um, you know, as the great Michael Jordan once said, you know, fuck them kids. Like you, you can't, you, you couldn't, you can't do it right now. You have to wait to, because that would fuck up your salary cap situation. The Anthony Davis thing needs to be the last thing that happened, so you can match up the money and trade for him going over the cap. Is I believe how the mechanics of it have to work. If they Jesus trade Christ. him out, they would lose the ability to give out the two max contracts. Because of how much Davis is making, he would be part of. He would dig into like Enos Cantor's or or mm. some expiring contract. So the the timing of this all literally has to be sign the two free agents after you won the lottery. Then once you get the two free agents signed, you have to trade for. You have to give up every single young person you have on the team plus Zion, and that's how the money I think matches up to get Davis. What? So let's let's say they do somehow wait to the summertime because this is another point of contention. Even if you waited uh, until the summer to do it, the, um, the point stands. Like a lot of people in our mentions were just like, "No, you can't give up that many of the kids and picks and whatever." And I was of the thought, like, "Hey, man, if you were gonna make a move like that, and you think these guys are coming, but even if you didn't, if you were that serious about making a play for Anthony Davis, of course you give up that much. This isn't." Like, and I've related this whole parallel that we're in right now to like the 2010 
situation and, and that timeline. But this isn't like the mellow trade. The mellow trade, like we already had a lot of money tied up and then trade, you know, we, we got rid of a bunch of young guys basically to get mellow and then extend him and pay him a lot of money. So it's a little bit different. Like if we get Anthony Davis, like there's still a lot of fucking money left. Like that's what we just did is gut the team, like, you know, salary wise to be able to make a lot of moves the next couple of years. So I, I think if you go all in on an Anthony Davis and you have all the money to pay people, then I don't think of it as big of a risk. You know, if you like with the mellow trade, like you had a bank on mellow and Amari being really good together and Amari staying healthy and, you know, a lot of things had to go right because you had not a lot of money to to spend and, and play around with. And um, I just think this is a little bit different in the sense that you can legitimately just wait and pair him up with kind of who you want if you just keep the books open and flexible. Yeah, and uh, KD is going to be 30 years old, so you're trying to maximize his window. Exactly. If, if they get him, there's a chance. So I was thinking about this today. If they got him and, say, AD gets traded to the Lakers— I'm most likely I would try and keep Mitchell Robinson because I think his development path and impacting the team in a winning way is pretty much happening right now. And he doesn't know what he's doing. So he can positively contribute on a good team immediately. I don't know if Kevin Knox in terms of winning, when are we going to get to the point where Kevin Knox is actually going to be helping you win games versus showing you individual skills. You're like, Oh, that might be good once he kind of figures this out. So using you, you might end up using Kevin Knox as a piece to trade for a youngish, like more like a 25 to 28 year old. Who's better right now. And because you want to maximize that Kevin Durant window and not wait too long. Well, I think we should stay in the present for the time being. Uh, because we have a lot to talk about from the most recent game that happened to the Knicks on Sunday uh, when the Memphis Grizzlies came into town. So the Knicks ended up falling, uh, but we did see the debut of Dennis Smith Jr. We saw Wesley Matthews out there. We saw DeAndre Jordan. Uh, all of them uh, you know, reclaiming uniform numbers that went out in the trade, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, hmm. Most notably, you know, we had DeAndre wearing number six out there. Uh, that had to feel good for every for all the Knicks fans out there. That it, it definitely, it, it I, I don't know. The pettiness in me was definitely uh, rewarded. I, I thought it was a little disrespectful that they gave um, Travis Ware's number six to DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, I wonder how Tyson Jandler feels about that right now. Uh, Travis Ware was the LeBron stopper, and I think I just think it's it's rude, quite frankly, but. Uh, it is what it is. You know, we got to move on. So we had, so obviously we had the debut game as a Nick for all of these three players. Um, Wes Matthews had a little bit of a rough shooting game. DeAndre Jordan had a double-double out there. Uh, but obviously Dennis Smith Jr. is the player that we're looking at the most out of this trade. Uh, Brian, just kind of looking at day one with Dennis Smith and how he played out there, is is he someone that you could see potentially having a longer-term fit with the Knicks? Oh, to be to be determined. I liked, for the most part, what I saw from him in his first game. Um, the getting to the basket with ease jumped right out. Finishing was pretty solid. He missed one layup, but for the most part, the finishing was very solid around the rim. Um, made some good. You leveraged his ability to get into the lane 
into some good passes for wide open threes. Trumper was ugly. The he had a foul shot that was really ugly. The it, very flat it looked like. So where I mean we saw that his shooting percentages were better. I'm hoping just not in rhythm. The offense was a little clunky because everyone was learning how to play. That the jumper gets into a little flow and looks better than it did in uh, in the first game. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expect. I mean, I was hoping he'd put on a show, but I wasn't expecting a whole lot from any of those guys uh, that came over in the trade just because they had no practice time, no real prep time. I believe Dennis Smith Jr. said uh, they were only. They were taught more plays. I think the ones that they had down by the time of the game starting was three plays was all they had uh, memorized at that point. So uh, I know Dennis Smith in his post game interview, you know, was saying Moutier and and Frank Nielakina were trying to help him out and give him tips and pointers. But it, it's still it's a different system with different teammates and you don't know their tendencies. It's tough. Um, I know he made a couple of nice reads that one to Knox in the corner with that Euro step that was beauty and then. Uh, the, the one I think was the Vonley. Uh, those, those were nice. And I think that's the kind of stuff that we hope to see for him in his growth here. So to answer, you know, to answer Anthony's question about if we see him as part of the future, I hope so. He's a young explosive scoring guard with upside. I mean, he's, he's only a couple months older than Frank, I believe. I think he's six, seven months older. So he's still very young and, and he can do things well. And, you know, I know he over dribbles the ball, but I, I, most of the good guards in this league over dribble, if we're being quite honest, I mean, they're just very good and more effective with it. But, um, but. so you mentioned, uh, Frank Nielakina in, in, out there too. And, you know, he meant to try to give some pointers to Dennis Smith Jr. along with Emmanuel Moutier. But, you know, it, it Fizzell also specifically mentioned when he was asked about Frank, like whether Dennis Smith Jr. means that Frank, there's, you know, less emphasis placed on him right now. And, you know, the next Wall's own Eli Cohen had a great piece about Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nielakina playing next to each other. But I kind of wonder where you guys consider Frank Nielakina now that Dennis Smith is in town. Do you got do you believe what Fisdale saying that they can play next to each other and both have a, a future with this team, or is it, is it just another player that could potentially be competition for you know minutes with Frank? I, I don't think they believe in Frank at all as the point guard now. Um, not as the starting one anyway, you know, maybe he's going to continue to be the backup. I don't know if they're going to start him at the two. I kind of like Dame Dodson starting next to, um, Dennis Smith jr. As well. But, you know, I, I am a really big proponent for seeing Frank run next to Dennis Smith. I just don't know how often we're going to see it. Um, there's also the very present question of whether or not Frank gets traded, in the next couple of days, uh, we've heard his name kind of pop up in a couple of different rumors. Phoenix seems to be the rec- you know reoccurring one that comes up. So I I don't know, but if if we do get to see him, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. They seem to balance each other out. Everything that Frank is good at, which is defending, being selfless, kind of benefits what Dennis Smith needs next to him. In theory, Frank should be a good spot up shooter, even though he's just not a good shooter anywhere from the floor uh, right now. And you know, Dennis Smith is just an aggressive ball handler, gets to the rim at however he wants, whenever he wants, it seems. So we'll see. On paper, it's a good fit. I hope we get to see it. Uh, I'd kind of be disappointed if we didn't. I'm with Kyle that I'm nervous, that I don't know if the organization's really into Frank and it's possible that they could move him. But me personally, 
and we all know how I feel about Frank, but I want to see I, how I would do this now is I would start him next to Dennis and I would make the starting lineup. Dennis, Frank, Knox, Vonley, and Mitchell, Jordan, whoever they want to play at center. Cornette, I, I honestly don't care anyone. They can use any of them. And then I would run him. I would bring in Dotson early, pull Frank out. So let him and Dennis play like four, five, six minutes together. Pull Dotson out, let Dennis run the rest of the first quarter, bring Frank back around and have him run the second unit to get some time running a point by himself. And I would take Moutier out of the rotation. I don't think there's a chance in hell that is what Fisdale is going to do when Moutier comes back. I think the Moutier is an ego thing for Fisdale, and he, he wants to like prove that I helped get this guy better. And that's so I doubt that's going to happen. We'll probably see Frank off the bench playing next to Moutier or, or starting and playing next to Dennis Smith. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how the whole Moutier situation goes down. He seems like the natural, uh, you know, odd man out in this situation. But like you're saying, due to Fisdale's seem, seemingly intense uh, belief that he can get Moutier to, a, uh, to be a starting caliber point guard in this league. I don't know exactly what we see from that. Uh, what do you guys make of the other guys on the court? I mean... We can start with DeAndre Jordan because I think he's the most likely option to stick around here at least through the rest of the season. Um, he looked good. He had, what, 12 points and 11 rebounds? I think my favorite stat about DeAndre Jordan was that he 12 points, 12 rebounds. Was that he's one of Kevin Durant's best friends. Yeah, that's his best stat for sure. I, but I, no, ser but seriously, oh, Brian, what were we going to say? No, no, no. I was going to start talking about him seriously, so you can go first. I was just going to say, I I do think like he hasn't been a great defender. It's just a small note. I don't think he's gonna, I, he hasn't been a good defender the last couple of years. Um, but he was a very good defender for a while, and he kind of does have that same mold that we kind of hope Mitchell Robinson turns into as a player. And you would, you would hope, it seems as though he'd be a decent mentor for Mitchell Robinson. So I, I hope from that standpoint, maybe they keep him. I, I'm half joking with the KD stuff. As you guys know, I'll believe that when I see it, when he's at a press conference, but um, you know, if you can keep a guy who could help mold, uh, mold Mitch, sorry. Um, I think you, you should do it. Wesley seems like a good guy. I, I've always liked him when he was on the blazers and with, with the maps, but you know, he's a little, older now and I'm sure he's going to be coveted. I know that we talked about the Sixers potentially doing a trade for him. So um, I would, I, I like DeAndre. I like both those guys, but DeAndre, I really think it'd be beneficial to Mitchell Robinson. A couple of bad shots from Wesley Matthews aside. One thing that really sticks out about Jordan and Matthews is just, they know how to play basketball. Like they're out there. They, they just have veteran, like that veteran basketball IQ Matthews, Knew to, knew to pressure Jaron Jackson at the right time when he was, and he pushed him all the way towards out half court and the shot clock was running down. It's a smart gamble like that. He had a double team where he double teamed the guy 
then he rushed out to the corner to rotate out to the shooter, and it sent Knox back to the other side. He just mental things that are happening on the court that jump out. You're like, oh yeah, this is this is what it looks like to have guys that know how to play basketball. Jordan's defense isn't the best though, because he just sinks back too far when he's guarding people at times. But he still he knows how to rotate. He knows where to be. He cleans up on the defensive glass because he has a good feel for it. In addition to just cheating off of people, so you could tell like he, as time goes on, if this group actually played a little bit together, they probably win a few more games than people would like. Because I mean, Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan, they're like they're nothing spectacular, but you're increasing the talent level on this team by a significant amount mm-hmm. over what was playing before. And Matthews, like he's going to end up hitting, and it's also pushing him towards a better shot selection too, because you're going to have Matthews out here. I'm guessing I haven't looked, but I guess 35 to 40% of his shots are probably three pointers and Deandre Jordan, pretty much every shot he's taking at the rim, he's making free throws at a much better rate than he has in the past. So you're also going to be helping your shot selection in terms of what areas you're taking shots in the point on the court. You're getting rid of Trey Burke, which was a ton of mid range jumpers. Whenever he played Timmy shot selection, wasn't bad. And then who was the other? And Courtney Lee, when he played, he loves passing up open threes and dribbling into mid-range twos. So you're getting the type of shots you want to get more with the guys that they've included on the roster as they start to fit in with the offense more. Yeah, I think you have a little bit of a sense of like a less is more mentality too, where you you, you like you're gonna you're gonna get less shots and better production out of like those players who are gonna play less minutes out there anyway. So. You know, you're, you're like, I think those veteran players are going to have a bigger impact in doing less work on the court than some of those other players on the Knicks that who were sent out were kind of being tasked with doing. And, you know, obviously the impact that we're going to hopefully see with DeAndre Jordan on Mitchell Robinson and, you know, the other players on the roster. And, you know, whether Wes Matthews can kind of impart some wisdom onto, uh, onto you know, Alonzo Trier about being a, uh, an undrafted scorer in this league. I don't know if there's any narratives to be found there or anything like that, but uh, definitely some interesting pieces coming back from that trade. Uh, do you guys want to talk about anything else from uh, from Sunday's game against the Grizzlies? We had the return of one Joakim Noah to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he got booed pretty... I wouldn't say, like, it wasn't that bad. Like, I thought they were going to bring it a little bit more, but I think everybody's just still a little bit bewildered from how to react to the KP trade. So I, I, I don't know if we had uh, the right amount of heat that we would normally have, but he got booed. I mean, what did you, what, I think he expected it. I think we all expected it. His comments since of, you know, he's owned up to kind of being an ass while he was here and owning up to a lot of it. So he still won't talk about the Hornacek thing, but you know, it is what it is. Um, just a very, very strange player in the history of the New York Knicks, and that just goes for a lot of guys. Can we? I, I wonder if we'll ever find out if he decked Hornacek in the face. It had to be something like for them to never talk. I about think it. we would have known if he decked Hornacek in the face. Like we would have. I think Joakim Noah is a big enough man to leave a bruise on Jeff Hornacek. But it had to be something. Like it couldn't have just been words. Like something had to. I don't even know if it was a Noah sucking him. It, like it, they said, Hornacek was like furious. That was the initial thing. Like Hornacek was the one who was like very, like really, really heated and got in his face. Like 
it's possible Hornacek did something. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, we can't even really properly speculate, and that's that bothers me. We don't even have a hint. We just know that they got they got into it. That's all we know. Jeff Hornacek slapping. I, ima- imagine, imagine, I'm, just like. I, they, ha- they have to have video of this, too, right? Don't Someone, someone does. The teams videotape every practice. I think that in, you know, 20 years, We'll get the, uh, you know, the, the hidden footage that come out of these dark years of the Knicks that eventually lead to the next great era of Knicks success. Uh, and then ESPN will come out with a documentary about it all. And then we can see all the footage then. So be patient. It's coming. All right, you guys have anything else you want to talk about tonight? Uh, just do, do you guys honestly believe that Wesley Matthews and DeAndre are actually going to get traded? Or do you think that we're just going to sit tight here? I think Wes probably. I, I could see. I mean, I, just because I hear so much of him coming up on like the buyout market, uh, I could see a deal with like Philadelphia potentially going down. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I just, I don't think that he's long for the team. I think he'll probably be either traded or bought out either way. Uh, the, the whole DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant connection and the Mitchell Robinson thing in there too. Like I could see him sticking around too, especially after Ennis Cantor is waived. So we'll see what happens. If there's a team that wants him that has expiring contracts to match up with either of those guys. I think the Knicks would be willing to trade that. Oh, you know what? The Jordan thing, I'm not as I'm not as sure about as I was in the past after being told about the Durant linkings today. So maybe that won't happen. But Wesley, yeah, I think pretty easily a team would give up a second round or two second round picks for him, and the Knicks would take them if they if the there was expiring contracts to match up with it. Last thing I want to ask you guys, percentage-wise, yeah. how much faith do you have in Dennis Smith Jr. becoming a, a good player? Like, as a fallback, the Knicks whiff in free agency, we're going to – I've already envisioned it myself. I envisioned the Knicks missing in free agency, and the next year our uh, rebuild is going to be, you know, the poster boys, Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox. Do you think that he can grow, you know, in a way – like, take take a significant leap year to year, sort of like we've seen De'Aaron Fox take a really big leap from one year to the next. Do you think that that's something that you, that you feel confident in? I'll, I'll be honest. I just, I need to see more of them. I need to get a better feel for them. I haven't watched enough of it to give a strong opinion on that yet. I like to, like when I, there's a difference between like watching a guy every once in a while and being like, and then looking at his basketball reference page and being like, all right, this is like a worthwhile thing to take a chance on like that. That's where I'm at with Dennis Smith right now for me to like really give a hot take on him, not even a hot take, like to really dive into what I think good or bad. I need, I need to see him a lot more and like really watch how he plays defense and see how he moves without the ball. I just like to see a lot, a lot more of him before I come into a declaration on that. I will say he's probably the Knicks best point guard prospect in a long, like, He's probably the Knicks' best point guard option, all things considered, like, since, like, the early Felton days. 
No, ever like, hold, hold on. We have to we have to be honest about I'm, this. I'm I'm not I'm not discounting Gross. I'm not I'm 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 not. I'm just saying like Ew, come I'm, on, I, man. I, 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 I'm I'm aware, but it, it even even still it was like eighteen five and five. Like it, it was it, No no no. I'm 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 just saying I'm not saying just based off production alone. I'm saying with, with a long term view of things. Yes, yes. I'm saying I'm saying he's probably the next best like and most established like long term option that uh you know that they've had their eyes on in a while so like i i all i mean to say is that he's worth the look he's worth the shot he's you know he, he's worth what you know he, he's not the ideal fit i don't think he's exactly the player that we were all pining for at the point guard position you know there's a lot of opposition even when it looked like the knicks were going to draft him uh but he he's got talent and i think that's that's a lot he's got some proven talent so far he seems to have a projection record so i i think that he's going to be He's kind of the, you know just the best shot they've had at that position in a pretty long time. So, you know, again, I'm not out at Frank yet. I just think that he ends up being kind of a more positionless player. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see him for the rest of the year, and I'm excited to see the starting line, uh, starting point guard position go to somebody other than Emmanuel Mudiay. Yeah, I just. I, I don't know either yet. I got to watch more of them. Uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how this rotation works out now, though. Yeah, I, I think Moutier I think Moutier has to go. I, I think Moutier is just—he's a shittier version. He—he's just well, got to be the odd man out here. Brian, would you say he's the shittier version of Dennis Smith Jr.? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. And he's younger. That's exactly. With, yeah. with, with, he's younger and more explosive with more upside. Like. I think in in trading, this is how I felt. With my immediate reaction, besides this sucks for KP leaving was this trade immediately makes Emmanuel Moutier totally redundant, totally redundant. Just there's, there's immediately, there's no point in having Moutier on the roster. And then my second reaction to that was they have zero faith in Frank, which, which rightfully you, you could argue. And I have uh, of late that he's not the point guard of the future. It's just, he's not giving any real true indications that he's going to take the leap. So I'd understand that as well. And it just seems like they're shifting to making, you know, like Ann said, positionless, not necessarily never a guard, but more of like a part-time guard, which I actually think is more than fine for the player that he projects to be. I think he could be very good only occasionally being the ball handler or a secondary ball handler. All right, Kyle, do we have uh, anything else that I forgot to plug earlier in the show? Uh, make sure you follow us up or you subscribe to Twitch, just twitch.tv slash the Knicks wall. We're going to have some fun stuff coming up. Um, just, you know, with the, the 2K pregame shows and, um, you know, we may do other things in the near future with it. Still experimenting. Uh, obviously, check out the uh, TKW shop at Public. Uh, we've just taken all the Christoph's Porzingis designs down, uh, which were many, and it was painful, but they're all down. <laughs> Did we actually take them down? Yes, I did. Uh, I, 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 I know I did. I took them down almost immediately. And then uh, I, I, I feel like we should put up the KP Tim's well, shirt. Well, oddly enough, no, no, no. We, we have to, we have to revise it, uh, put a few X's where they need to go. But no, I actually took them down. And oddly enough, we got a DM like two or three hours after I did it requesting um, to put them back up before it was too late. Like it, he's just like they were just really good, and I never got around to getting them. Can you put them back up? So I put them back up. He bought, I think it was like three or four shirts and stickers, <laughs> and, and then I, I think I actually got to take a couple of them down now. But most of them are gone. Is the point? 
So, but anyway, Get before he gets to them, people. Anyway, we have some. Uh, we did a couple of memes today for like the Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Dennis and Frank stuff. So, well, we'll always have fun things like that. We'll always play on things and give you guys something fun to spend your money on, and and, and in turn support us, which hopefully you enjoy doing. Uh, and outside of that, just give us a good review on the pod. Give us five stars. We appreciate that. Keep an eye on all things. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more on our next pod, too. But just keep an eye on all things uh, TKW for Thursday. Uh, we'll be across the board with our draft coverage. So uh, if the Knicks are going to make a move, you can bet on it. We'll, we got you covered. Please don't trade Frank. Uh, please don't trade Frank. That's going to do it for us, though, this week on the TKW podcast. Like we were saying before, subscribe and listen to us on all platforms, and we will talk to you all later on this week. Thank <laughs> you.